0: Hello everyone, welcome to another action-packed episode of ARG Presents. I am Amigo Aaron, joined as always by a man who picks his game the exact same way they pick the Pope, Brent. It's true. There's a lot of smoke and flames at the old Dowdy residence. Oh my god. So, if you joined us last week, and I know you did, you'll recall we spun the wheel, we made the deal, and this week we're going to be playing games on the exciting Odyssey 2 format. Yes. Now, Brent, I know this is a loaded question, but have you ever owned an Odyssey 2? I have not. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. (laughs) In fact, that one. That's right. Uh, We can confess that uh, we both owned this exact Odyssey uh, when we were kids, and our mom and dad bought us this uh, way, way back. I'm not even sure... When were you born? This is—I was born in '77. So this would have been just a few years after you were born. Yeah. that we had the Odyssey. Yeah, I did not. Two. I was—I wasn't able to enjoy the Odyssey two in, in the very beginning. Right. So I, I don't think we got it right away, but I think we got it. You know, around the '80s, since this is not the earliest model. So uh, let's learn a little bit about the Odyssey two. I, There's a lot. You know, the Odyssey. Oddly, has a very rich history. That's it right, really does. That, it, it does, and it, it traces back to the man who began video games. Yep. back in the day. So, now, father of video games in the in in America, this was known as the Odyssey Two. In in Europe, uh, this was known as the Video Pack. Yes, and in Japan, this was also known as the Odyssey Two. You know, in Japanese, and, and obviously in it. Brazil, it was just known as the Odyssey. That's right. So, uh, this was manufactured by Magnavox and Philips which are, they're sort of the same uh, at the time. And this is an old, old machine. Uh, this came out in uh, Europe. This came out in 78. Now, this is an interesting change from what we were used to. Uh, in North America, this didn't come out until February of 79. So Europe actually got it before us. And the Japanese did not get this until 82. Yeah. And the Brazilians didn't get it until 83. And so, what's, what's crazy is the popularity probably the highest in brazil or uh over in europe yeah you're right i agree with you on that uh so when this w- launched uh in america this thing was uh retailed for 179 us dollars which was incredibly pricey pretty expensive back then. that would have been about 680 dollars yeah. <laughs> in, t- in today's money Woo! so that shows you how bad inflation is we well, got think this was 78 i mean that's yeah. a long time ago man uh, and this ran, and they finally stopped making these in March of 1984. You know, it's funny since these were sort of popular in Brazil, this reminds me a little bit of the uh, ma- of the Master System had a very similar situation where it was more popular in Europe and very popular in Brazil, and in America yeah. it was only so-so at best. Uh, so you want to take a guess at how many of these things were, were made? Made, you know, and world, sold like, yeah globally, sold worldwide. Yeah. Oh, I will say 1.2. No, two million. Wow, it was a pretty decent seller. <laughs> now, at the time, uh, it could really it had two main competitors at at the time, which were the Atari VCS, the Atari 2600, of yep. course, which was number one with a bullet. Way, yeah. And then you also individually, you had the Intellivision, which yep. was basically number two. But this thing sat comfortably at number three, uh, given. Uh, the interest level of the company that made it, and the—I mean, it, it did okay. It did better than than expectations, and uh, you know, so that's not too shabby. So uh, this thing really was—I mean, you're, again, this is '78 when this was released. You've got to consider the age. Uh, this had a an Intel 8048 processor in it, old, old, and it had 64 bytes of RAM and 124 bytes of ROM. So. Your mouse cursor picture is yeah. larger than <laughs> the amount of storage this had. Of course, it had uh, all of its games on these little cartridges here, and you can see the Odyssey trademark on these is the little handle right here yep. at the top that uh, that uh, uh, you know helps you pull them in and out. I tried to do some research as to why it had the handle, and no one really knows except they think that it was put there to differentiate it from yep. the other systems, and it does. It, it, uh, the Odyssey cartridges... Don't look like any cartridges before or since, Uh, uh, which is kind of neat. And it's aesthetics with a purpose, because it really does help you pull those things out. Right. Uh, When this was released in Europe, it was known as the Philips Video Pack G7000. Yeah. So that's a mouthful. Uh, And, uh, you know, one thing that was the selling point for this, as you can see if if you're watching on the show, is this numeric keyboard right here. Uh, The numeric keyboard. Was pretty much what got us in Odyssey too, because my dad was looking for a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had uh, anticipated uh, the home computer market, smart man. Yeah, and and so he he picked this thing up for us with the assumption that we'd be able to do some computer stuff on it. Now, really, that never really flushed out. Uh, it had educational titles that used right. the keyboard, uh, but it did not uh, it did not really get any sort of computer functionality with a, with a but which I'll get to later on. Um, you can see that the joystick you've got there which we if you're watching the show it's sitting right up here at front. It's a it's a great joystick. I always really liked it. Uh, it has a uh, just one action button which is labeled and it's got like a, a star pattern that the joystick moves around, but I mean it's a I it's one of my favorite joysticks of the yeah, era. It's a directional eight-way, but it can do actually more than eight directions. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a quality stick. Yeah. Now, uh, <clears throat> one of the downsides of the stick is that the uh, in in this later model, in the earliest model, these joysticks were silver and the and they were removable joysticks just like the Atari yeah. had. But in this model and later in later models, they were hardwired into the uh, into the in the machine and they had these flat cables. And, yes. and these flat cables were difficult to, uh, maintain. They would get... They would... The connections would get wrecked quite Cranked easily. and it's over, yeah. Now, when you, uh... When you take apart an Odyssey 2, you'll you realize that those joysticks are not difficult to repair if you have some know-how, but there is no way to, take, to repair them without actually physically taking apart the unit. Right, because, I mean, when you just look at it, you think it goes into the Odyssey and then it just turns into wires and it's soldered in, you're done. But that's really not the case. Right, right. So, um... The Odyssey, the Odyssey has a funny story behind it, and this, and with Magnavox, uh, Magnavox basically uh, they they made the Odyssey One. Which talk about the Odyssey One a little bit, Brent. It's it's, uh, it's it's a it's a basically a pong, pong unit, yeah. It's a pong and it was unit. a very successful unit uh, uh, back you know back when it was back when it came out, and so they wanted to they they wanted to go ahead and make a, a, a successor and. The uh, Odyssey Two was what they came up with, <clears throat> and they started making it in '77. The pro- but the problem was, it Magnavox really wasn't behind the uh, the the project that yeah. <laughs> which is strange to me. I guess they I don't know I don't know what it was. They they I, I think basically I mean Magnavox was a huge company at the time. Yeah, they made TVs, they made home stereo, yeah. they made they made big time electronics, and I think they saw this as more of a toy. Uh, And so, it was always in in, in danger of the project being canceled. Um, And they were making these. Now, get this. They made these in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's where their R&D was, which is... I've been to Fort Wayne for wrestling, amazingly. And uh, some of the... It was so... People were so sure they were shutting this thing down that people that worked there started looking for new jobs. Yeah. They are like, we're boned. Yeah. So, uh, lo and behold, one of the... uh, uh, The guy that was the group leader, his name was John Helms... He contacted Ralph Baer uh, to to come in and evaluate the product now if that Baer's name doesn't ring a bell he is literally the man that invented video games yeah, for the he, most part he, the original pong machine was his and then there's a whole controversy about the pong idea being lifted by Nolan Bushnell for Atari the rest is history but Baer is the guy that came up with the original concept for for a, a pong you know based computer or, or game machine right. that hooked to your TV so Bear came in uh, in August of '77 and looked. He evaluated the Odyssey 2 and and what what they had, and he t- finally reported back to uh, uh, to Magnavox. Yes, I think this could make some money. Uh, yes, I think you could do okay with the Odyssey 2. So that was effectively his that was his uh, uh, work on the project. He didn't actually do any physical work on it, but he did make the recommendation. Which probably ultimately saved the machine. I yeah. think his I think his word had enough umph even back then to say yeah okay we're mm-hmm. gonna let this go give now, it a shot. Even after Baird talked about how it was viable, Magnum still wasn't fully convinced. They were really on the board, and so um, the chips in this were made by Intel, and Intel wasn't happy that this project wasn't moving forward because there were they had a lot of money at yeah. stake, and so. <clears throat> um, they had a, uh, a programmer at Intel convince Magnavox there was a market for the Odyssey, and so uh, because the original programmer for this thing he only lasted about six months, and then and he he ran out of he just ran out of gas. He was literally doing every game. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, uh, so they, they were like this. They, Intel was like, listen, we're going to send send you over one of our guys, and so they did. And they sent him over, and he ended up programming. Almost uh, a two-thirds of the games. <laughs> His name was Ed Averett, and he was a programmer at Intel. So he didn't even work for Magnavox. Yeah. That's the hilarious thing. Yeah. And so they they sent this fellow over, and he and he did 24 Odyssey games, which is half of the original library. Insane. Now the now the uh, the, uh, the guy that did uh, uh, the first batch was a fellow named Sam Overton. Like I said, he just hit the wall. He he he, got, he cranked out a few programs, like he did, like the first d- dozen or so, or, or six or seven, and he was like, "I can't do it anymore." So you effectively, on this machine, you've got two men that did almost all the games. That's I doubt that's ever and, happened. And they were all basically first party. Yeah, there were very, there was not much third party support, but there was some. But if you ponder that for a minute, just the sheer wackiness of it is is absolutely it's insane. Even your horrible systems have more third-party support than the Odyssey does. Yeah, the Odyssey now... I mean, like your Gizmondo-type systems. One probably has a dozen games. The funny thing about the Odyssey 2 and the third parties is they did finally get some third-party support. And the funny thing is the third-party support ended up having some pretty decent stuff on it. Uh, the uh, uh, in in '83, Magic made Demon Attack for it. Now I, I don't know if you ever we didn't played... get Demon Attack, did we? We yeah it, it, yeah uh, we got it. it it's rare, uh, but uh, Demon Attack ends up being a pretty good game on the Odyssey. And now is it? It is not. As, I mean, if you've played Demon Attack, it's a classic game that has um, yeah. a, a sort of like a ph- a Phoenix vibe. Yes, uh, very much, including the. Uh, a level where you fight this like Mega Ship. That's just a lot like the boss in Phoenix. The Odyssey Two didn't get that level, but a lot of the home consoles didn't get it. And uh, but it's a good port. Uh, and hmm. they and they ended up going on to uh, also release some. Now, the majority of the rest of the stuff was released in Europe. Uh, they they also released Atlantis, which is a game I yeah, really like, love, as you yeah. know. And and, and the Aussie Two version really good, colorful and and lovely. And so uh, a few uh, and Parker Brothers eventually hopped on board <clears throat> and released some real wacky stuff. I think a couple of these only got released in Brazil. Uh, they got they released Popeye, which if you watch, uh, if you look at the Amigos play, me and Boat went and played Popeye. And have you ever played Odyssey Popeye? I have not. I did it not It is know. something that's uh, a sight to behold. Uh, they also did Frogger, which is a really good port of Frogger. It's a little bit different. Uh, as I recall, the road, you go past the first part of the road, then it scrolls up to the second for part. the river. Hmm. Um, they did a, a absolutely wretched version of Cubert, which I mean uh, that was well beyond the Odyssey's <laughs> yeah, abilities. That's yeah. a stretch, yeah. And then you you also had Super Cobra. Now Super Cobra's unique because. Uh, every time you get your copter to the end, it's a helicopter game, and then when you get your helicopter to the end of the screen, all action stops, the whole screen slides over, and another screen comes out, and you keep going. Yeah. But it worked. It was, I mean, if you consider the Odyssey's age, and its limitations, and the fact that it's playing some pretty sophisticated games for that era, uh, and it, it was handling them okay. The Odyssey was, all off, a lot of it was about the, the Odyssey's uh, games were more, the concept and the execution than the the look or the sound because it had very little crummy sound and it had... Uh, it was a very know. beeps and boops machine. Yes. Now, speaking of sound, um, <clears throat> they Aussie had a several uh, expansion items and the most famous of which is called The Voice. Yes. Now, we don't have a The Voice. I wish we did. Uh, and yeah. I wish I'd bought one when you could get them for nothing because now they're yeah, the price of Sky yeah. yeah. So what The Voice does is it fits it fits in the cartridge slot it sits down on top of the Odyssey 2 and once this was installed it was really ma- meant to stay there because yeah. there was no reason to take it off um, and what it was was a was a basically a voice synthesizer and did some and de- and had some extra sound effects that weren't built into the Odyssey uh, the voice didn't require any extra uh, power after. and it also take note Sega. it also uh, you could just it would you could play voice and on voice games. It didn't matter. Right. So, like for example, the game I did this week ha- supports the voice, but since I didn't have it, I can still play it. I just didn't hit the voice. The voice um, would would have its own speakers in it. Yeah. So when you played games on it, the sound didn't come out of your television. They would come out of the speakers that were in the Odyssey, and it even had a volume control built into the front of it, so you could adjust the sound. Of the games as you were playing them, so uh, and I, most of the time it just you, there were phrases that would, you could get it to say, and it also it, it can make some really strange sounds. Uh, if you'll recall, me and Bo uh, played a game on the Amiga that had been ported from the Odyssey 2 called Killer Bees, and we also I think we even played Killer Bees on the Odyssey. And there's a if you have the voice, you get this sort of bee noise that comes out of it to like enhance the play. It's actually quite neat. Uh, and it's a really cool uh, little object. Yeah, and and just to, just to stress this, the cartridges had no programming, the, no digital or, or anything. It just had ones and zeros to tell the voice what sort of sound to make. Yeah, and a lot of it was predetermined sound, too. This thing came out in 82, by the way, and it only shipped in the U.S. Yeah. It didn't ship these anywhere Which, else. Uh, like I said, it had a, it had a general instrument speech chip in it, 2K of ROM, and that had the sound and phrases it could make, and it could take those sounds and phrases and kind of mix them in other yeah. sounds. And so you had to be sort of clever with it. It reminds me of the sound thing we had for the Coco back in the day, where you would you could just type in stuff. So it was oh you know, yeah, like a speak and say type yeah. thing. Um, there were uh, there weren't that many voice games. Uh, You had Sid the Spellbinder, Nimble Numbers, Ned, uh, Type and Tell, Smithereens, Casey's Crazy Chase, P.T. Barnum's Acrobats, Attack of the Time Lord, Turtles, which was another arcade uh, port, and Killer Bees. And then there are a few homebrew uh, games now that support it too. Uh, So it's something that still, you know, the Odyssey still gets developed for to a certain degree. Um, We should probably touch on the other... Uh, item that was released. I said, I think this is only released in Europe. They had a, uh, they wanted to have a chess program for the Odyssey, so they had to actually put together a uh, a chess module that contained a second CPU and extra memory that could let you run chess. Huh? Yeah, which was, I didn't, I never heard about that. I haven't either. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, there there was a video pack version of a of Microsoft Basic that lets you even hook a cartridge up with a with a cassette deck. And you could actually use the keyboard and type in Basic. Wow. Yeah, <clears throat> which we never got that either. I don't. I'm guessing those are mega, mega, mega yeah. rare. Um, we should mention that when you type on the Odyssey, uh, you're not going to get your normal words per minute. The uh, <laughs> the membrane. Take your words per minute <clears throat> and just use that first digit. That's about how many you're going to yeah. get. The membrane keyboard. I will say this: it's surprisingly durable. Oh yeah. We've had stuff sitting on this thing for years. We have beat the crap out of this thing. I mean, you got to think seventy-eight, seventy-nine, eighty. It's this thing's forty years this old. This thing is almost. old. You can see it's in pretty good shape. You know, I mean, overall there's a little few scuffs on it, uh, but the, the thing is durable. Uh, I have recently modded this particular Odyssey to allow us to use removable joysticks on Atari-style joysticks. Well, our joysticks were pretty toast. Yeah, and then well, I also modified this one to have R- RCA jacks out instead of the R- instead of the RF. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, and it's not it's not too difficult to do that with these, which is it's if you have one, it's, it's, nice, it's the yeah. way to go. Um, so, the Odyssey Two actually had a successor. Now, uh, the successor for the Odyssey Two was never released in the in the states, and it had a, I, I would guess an incredibly limited release, and it was called the Phillips Phillips Video Pack G seventy four hundred. Yeah, that's the that's a Europe and Brazil only. thing. Oh, no, just Europe, just no, Europe. Yeah. Now, because like over <clears> in, <throat> in the UK, this was known as the video pack. Now, right. uh, and F, just an FYI, you could you could uh, use the video pack ga- games on the US machine and vice versa. There was really, there was no sort of uh, they hadn't thought about region lock and nah, stuff like all that. Right. So, the G seventy four hundred basically had a, a gimmick, and the gimmick was they could take games and put a background to them. Um, for example, um, in the, in the game Brent's covering today, they they put like this, what would you call that background? They just put a picture behind it. Yeah, it reminds me. What it reminds me of is when you played games in the arcade; they were like vector games, and they would have that background. Exactly, it's it's hundred percent it. it. the same thing. Yeah. but Instead of putting some uh, something on top of your TV, it's actually a background of your game. Yeah. So uh, that that got a limited release. There you know there was also a version of the Odyssey in the UK that was a Odyssey built in with a television, all in one unit. Yeah. And it yeah, was a black and that. white. And so I was reading the manuals for these uh before we before I played them this week and they they mentioned that if you're playing on this machine, make sure you've got the 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 contrast set to like level 2. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think mine was level <clears throat> 6. Yeah, it goes really in depth. Yeah. I guess they really thought they were going to sell a lot of those and it probably didn't happen. So the Odyssey had a good long run. We should probably mention, and again, we mentioned this briefly last week, that if you played, uh, if you were into board games, The Odyssey 2 was one of the, well, it was the first system to do it, and one of the few that actually had a combination board game and video game. Yeah. These are like the Master Challenge series. I believe there were three of them. There was. I've got them all, uh, actually. And we've, actually, me and Boat sat down and played uh, Quest for the Rings, which was probably the most popular, most famous one. Oh, by one. far. Yeah. Uh, one of them sort of a world, it's like, almost like a risk, and one of them sort of a uh, uh, Wall Street challenge. Yeah, banking. And I'll tell you, the Wall Street challenge, me and Boat set up to play that one time, and it was so complicated, we couldn't figure it out. And we played a lot of German board games, and we were just like, man, this is some tough stuff. But the uh, uh, Lord, of the uh, Quest for the Rings was, was just great, and it's it's. Yeah, I urge you, I strongly urge you to, to hunt that out on our Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel and watch us play it because it was... Boat had a six camera set up, I believe, and it had everything highlighted. It was great. You really get a good feel for how the game flows. And it, it was super ahead of its time, so far ahead oh, yes. of its time that, Roy, really it's not been done. Well... Really, I- there's, uh, there's a few games that tried it on the C64, but, I mean, not to this scope, with the quality and the and the uh, level of... of, of uh, Detail that they put into the box and the manual and all the little counters. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible game. And really, uh, with uh, Quest for the Rings, you need three people. You need uh, player one, player two, and you really need a, a, a game master. I mean, you could really make this into a full role playing adventure where you have a story, and then the game master said, "Well, you know, if you're in a lava room, he can make a lava room appear." He has full control over that kind of stuff. Yeah, or you could just play it, you know, just two people. So right. Yeah, and you, actually, that's that's kind of the beauty of it, is even if you didn't have the board game, you could just tell it to do its thing and still play and have a good time. Right, right. So, such a good game. Yeah, Man. so those, those, and those, are, those are pretty popular and well-known. I'd say those are probably the Odyssey's most well-known games. And one thing they did was they had an overlay that would fit on top of the keyboard, and it was beautiful, and it yes. worked great. And I always wonder why they didn't do that with more games, but I guess just the sheer expense of it. Yeah, I'm because sure, I remember. I mean, I don't remember the game being more expensive, but I knew it was more expensive. Yeah. yeah. Odyssey also is known for having some just the best cart uh, boxes. Oh, they're gosh, black. They're, they're beautiful. So you, beautiful. Can by, you can see about you can see about the front here. They're they're just the the art is awesome. I'm mean, just awesome. And you'll notice that uh, almost all the Odyssey library, their games all end with an exclamation point. Well, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting. And you have to have the exclamation point at the end. And that, yeah, I always thought that was funny. Yeah, they do with an exclamation point on his shirt. Bubsy? Yeah, he, he could have learned a thing or two uh, from oh, Odyssey. Man. Let's not talk about that guy. <laughs> um, so, the, uh, uh, the I, I tried to figure out why that was. And apparently it was just like a marketing decision. To, yeah, to it was. It was completely, you know... To try to get people excited. It worked. It got me fired up for it. So, uh, you got anything to add with the Odyssey 2 here? Did we touch all the bases? Uh, I think, yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, it's amazing how well the Odyssey... I'm not going to say holds up, because it doesn't hold up when you compare it to modern times. I mean, let's be realistic here. I think the board game really holds up. I, However, it has some elements that were never done as well since, exactly like the board game stuff. The Odyssey shares a lot of similarity with, say, the Atari 2600, in that you have a very limited amount of memory and a very limited amount of CPU to try to make these games. And so you really had to try to think outside the box. Now, that doesn't mean the Odyssey didn't have a lot of Me Too games. They had plenty of clothes. Sure. Of, of of Atari games, which was really who else going to clone at that point? And, sport, and they had generic sports games and golf, everything else. Uh, uh, but uh, some of the games for it were really clever uh, and were thought out quite nicely. And if forced, the Odyssey Two could punch out some okay, decent-looking graphics. I mean, I when I mean they weren't great, but I mean, in fact, I would say they're sub-Atari level graphics. Yes, they fall somewhere between the Atari and the. Uh, Fairchild Channel F, basically. I mean, they're better than the Fairchild, but they're not they're as good as, and they're not even in the same ballpark as in television. The highest quality Atari games, or the highest quality Odyssey games, beat out the lowest quality Atari games. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, I always like the, the a look of the Odyssey. You can see that we've got our original box back here. Um, the look of it, the way it was the the way it was marketed, yeah, was awesome. Uh, It looked awesome. It's a cool-looking machine. Like The boxes look awesome. The names were pretty cool in some of the games. And uh, I always thought it was just a cool... And a joystick is one of my favorites in terms of that old-school joystick. Which is why I converted that one. So, with all that in mind, uh, we picked two titles from the Odyssey 2 slash Video Pack library. I think I'll lead the charge this week, Brent. Sounds good. So, the game I picked was called Attack of the Time Lord. Now, <clears throat> this game was uh, released in 1982 and it was, of course, released for the the Video Pack. Now, this is one of the games that had support for the new video pack it, so you could get a backdrop for for it. Uh, uh, again, it was, there weren't that many. Um, this and game, the sound. Yeah, and it also supported the voice. This was cutting edge, yeah. really. Uh, this game was programmed by Ed Avert, of course, but this one had his wife, Linda Aber, also credited on it. Now, from what I read, she did nothing, and she was not happy <laughs> that he was giving credit. I think, I mean, I read an interview with Ed, and it almost sounded like he was working an angle to get more money. Yeah, I was about ready to say I'm, I bet it was a money thing. Now the funny thing about poor old Ed is he programmed all these games. Think about that twenty four games, and this thing wasn't around for it was only around for six years. He was popping. That's them a out. lot of games, and <laughs> he didn't start until six months after it was it was yeah. it was out there. So you're talking he didn't probably start until in '79, and and the thing ran. Well, he ran until like '84, yeah. I doubt he was making them in '84. So he probably for like three three or four years he was doing gosh six games, seven games a year. Yep. So Ed. The funny thing about Ed is, he I read in his interview he said he mentioned that Magnavox. He was much harder on Magnavox. He said they were had zero, they put zero behind this machine, nothing, and it would just it was doing well enough to where they just couldn't they could not get rid of it. Yep, you know, and so he would say, "Listen, why don't you hire me? I'm working for you guys full time." And they'd be like, "No, nah, no, nah, because we're they'd be like we're fired other people." We're not going to hire another guy. We're we're getting rid of people on this project, you know. And it just limped along like that for the entire time. So i have a feeling, and this was Ed's last title on the Odyssey 2. Something tells me it was like, you know what? I'm, it's time to get paid. I just I'm just speculate. And he was right. Pay the man, you know. Yep. Uh, he, he's doing hard work here. So now, if you're in Europe, uh, this game was known as TerraHawks. Did you know Ooh. that? No. So, t- I like our name better, though. Tara, well, there's a reason, which I which should go ahead. I guess I'll go ahead and get into it now, because if you're watching this and you're like, what is this Attack of the Time Lord thing? Uh, which is funny, because Time Lords are a big deal in the UK, so you would think they would have stuck <laughs> with that name. Well, they might have had copyright issues. No, they didn't. That's not what it was. <laughs> Nothing? All right. Terrahawks Hawks is a licensed title. Do you remember uh, Thunderbirds Are Go? Remember Thunderbirds? Mm-hmm. The Marionette? I can't mm-hmm. the, uh, the uh, marionette shows. Yeah. Terra Hawks was, was one of those shows. It was a... Uh, I think it was the successor to, uh. to Thunder Hawks and some of the other ones, you know? Yeah, I know the story now. And so... Yeah. Uh, uh, it was Gary Anderson who had made a... It was, it was called Super Was uh, It was the... Was the uh, uh, you know, that thing. Oh. And the Terra Hawks were an elite group of space pilots who protected the, world, the Earth... From a villain, and the villain's name was Zelda, so that, <laughs> which I thought was cute. Um, this and the series ran from eighty three to eighty six. So when this this was a hot property back in when this was made eighty two, so they released it over there in eighty three. They picked up Terrahawks as the uh, as the as the thing. Um, nothing at all was changed between the two games. <laughs> nothing. I did read the manual, and they have got a backstory where you're protecting the Earth from Zelda and the Time Lord in the middle of Zelda, and it's they really the funny thing is, the game is sort of split in the, in the waves, and it, after each wave it would tell you how Zelda was feeling in the manual, like, <laughs> In the fourth wave Zelda's really embarrassed and pissed off. Now she's now he's really coming at you. He's gonna pound. You know, I guess Zelda was a dude. I mean, it could have been a chick. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen Terahawks except for I looked up some clips. You know, I, I was really into the whole... Uh, I got into Thunderbirds and stuff back in the day uh, a little bit. So, I, did you, you ever watch any of those? I mean, I know of them, but no, that was a little bit if you Basically, if you're a, a modern listener, if you've ever seen Team America World Police, that's the closest I could come to an American version. Have you ever, you ever seen that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> America! Yeah. But, but uh... uh they where they used this sort of uh, they've got a name for it I don't remember that but it, it was it was it was pretty cool and what I remember about the series was that it really had detailed models and rockets and these guys I mean it was almost like a soap opera it, right. was, really, it was really neat very unique right I never there's something else. so Terrahawks Hawks uh, was where that got the the name over there but over here it was simply known as uh, Attack the Time Lord so what is it now in America you're attacked by a guy called Spirus the Deathless. The Time Lord of Chaos. That's my that's kind pretty, of Time that's Lord, That's pretty man. good. And, uh... So, you have a, a laser cannon. You have a time machine with a laser cannon. Alright? Doctor Who style. Again, this scene... This screams like... It's like a, just like a Doctor Who episode. Like, it's like, why didn't you just get to go for the Doctor <laughs> Who license? It was probably... Well, I don't know. That would be pretty expensive. Yeah, Yeah, they ain't paying uh, for that. uh, uh, So the Time Lord is mad. He's going to send a fleet of time ships to get you. (laughs) Everything is time (laughs) Why do you keep saying time? (laughs) That's that's just the way it is. Now, this was a unique game on The Odyssey because it was actually really fast. Yeah. The Odyssey games sort of meandered for the most part. Uh, Even games I light were not quick. Uh, it, I mean, I'm not there saying were a that, few they, they were, ones. Like, Pickaxe Pete was pretty it was speedy. The, but, it, you know, all these games had that extra ram in the cart, too. Yeah, well, they, they, these this game was way faster than probably any game I've put in there. Shorter like, Demon Attack. So, I not I can compare it to. Or maybe Atlantis. The third party stuff. Now, this was late in the Odyssey's lifespan. So, maybe Ed was finally getting a hang of it. Uh, so, the game starts off. With the with with the timer in the middle of the screen, and he and, he, and if you've got the voice, he'll badmouth you, and then laugh and stuff. And then he and then these uh, there's a flash. It's a pretty neat graphical effect for the Odyssey. And these ships start streaming out of it, and they stream out in a row. And I would guess I would compare it to the way ships appear on the screen and say. A gyrus or or a Galaga in terms of I mean they come out in a formation it's a it's a and they and they snake around the screen like formation right it's sort of I mean, like it's sort of like a cross between uh, Galaga and centipede because when you destroy is. a ship it the formation closes up so there's right. no hole I mean when I say I don't compare the game to Galaga just the way those ships come right. out right or or Xevious, or, or not Zevius, but the uh, uh, gyrus, where they kind of come down in a row. And so you've got the problem with you is your ship is this little pyramid at the bottom of the screen. It's freaking huge. Yeah. It takes up like an eighth of the screen. I mean, this thing takes a lot of jack to have this laser cannon. And so you're you're uh, moving this pyramid-shaped thing. I think it's green around, and these ships are just basically circling above you, and you're trying to shoot them. So, uh, I mean, to boil it down, it's it's space invaders, except instead of being in columns, these guys go up around the screen. In a line, in like in curve round, you know that's in, all. In a doing. Line, yeah. So the first screen, these guys when they shoot, they drop these sort of little like uh, three missiles. Right. Right. That look almost like, like crosses or swords that are yeah. coming down, and you can shoot the missiles, and you can also shoot the, the the villain, right? And they and they and these things just go straight down, right? Uh, then the second level, you get uh, these like. Uh, that's the same. First of all, every level is the same ship-wise. They right. come out. And they see the same. I mean, they don't do the same exact. It's not the route. exact same pattern, but it's the yeah. same idea. But their their weapons change, so eventually they will. Uh, you get you get these things that come out. They're sort of like uh, heat seekers or like smart bombs. They travel towards you, and you can still get out of the way of them if you're quick enough. But that makes it more difficult. Then you've got a a, a bit where they have these things that come down to the bottom of the screen and just and they basically... Uh, uh, they're called annihilators. And they and they just come straight down and they're tough to avoid. They're tougher. And in the fourth level, you've got these things that are... They're called... Uh, they call these nu- uh, nucleonic time killers. These are robot piloted destroyers which can anticipate human action. They're basically really good smart bombs, basically. And so basically, every time you roll through a level the first four levels you get an additional weapon and then eventually they just have all the weapons start piling that. them all. yeah something you forgot to mention on the third weapon when it hits the bottom of the screen it will move left yeah. or right towards your ship yeah it doesn't so you explode can't, you can't just dodge it by a little bit you have to really get out of its way yeah. and again when you're driving this thing this thing is the uh, uh it's like driving a tank or so it's huge <laughs> You know, or like a big Thunderbird. I mean, the Thunderbirds are going. This. I mean, it's a huge, like, a, it's a big monster of a thing. And so, when you have to avoid those, and that's actually a pretty clever... Oh, you're awesome, And if you're yeah. in the corner, you're screwed. Uh, you cannot corner hide in this game. No. this is That's one place. This is not like Galaga, where you sort of dodge yeah, over no. and hope. Yeah, it, it's 100%. You have to keep... You pretty much have to go to the center after every attack, so to give you room to move left or right. That's right, right. So this game goes on for 256 levels wow. but there's a catch. You get one man. Yes. Which is the Odyssey tradition. You get one, you get one man and that is it. Uh, and if you can get through 256 levels, this buddy, you're 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 doing something. Um, so a- after every level the time lord appears, like I said, and he'll just he'll, he'll be he'll just say some stuff. I wish I had the voice cuz I don't get to listen to the video of him talking, right. but he He's pretty cool. It's a little tiny face that it, I mean, it, but it's, you can tell it's like a, a, a it's, it's kind of neat. It looks, it works. It reminded me of, what this guy reminded me of was sort of like, like a Sinistar or something. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this, but Star Fox, the, the, one of the enemies in that is a face and it kind of pops out of the screen. It's three dimensional, but this kind of has that three dimensional vibe. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh in a lot of Odyssey games, like I've mentioned, the ships—they don't. This the speed in this was pretty impressive. I mean, yes. is that, that's what really got me. Did, did you? What did you think of how the move and stuff processed? I mean, it was quite I, impressive. I was really impressed by this game. Yeah, the speed, the 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 uh, enemy attack patterns, their weaponry. The only the most disappointed I was on this. I could not believe they never let you actually fight the time Lord that was yes I had to agree with you on that one because I made it I made it far I'm I've scored over a thousand points on the game I think I was like 17 or 18 waves in and each wave I mean the after say wave five where they start throwing all the weapons at you it gets challenging you really have to be on your toes and and uh, Anticipated a lot of a lot of the attacks. The problem with this game is, I would enjoy it a lot more if you had more men, because now you can get nailed early and then you're bone. It's not like galley. There's no rallying. I mean, you're once you get shot, you're done. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if they had if you could have had three men. But this again, this is an Odyssey tradition of giving you one man. The thing with it though that the where the one man thing doesn't bother me, once you get to level five and you've got all the different. Uh, weapon types firing at you. The only thing that gets harder is it gets progressively faster to, an, to a limited extent. Uh, but then it's just the same go over and over and over, so you're playing for points. and a point game, having multiple lives, I, I, I'm happy with just one. Yeah, well, I mean, again, for what it was in the time, you, you can't fault it too much. I mean, really, we've got a, a good amount of Odyssey games. This is, what, this is amongst the better titles, in my opinion. I... Out definitely in the top ten, without a doubt in the top ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say somewhere yeah. in the top ten for sure. Um, one thing that this did, and this is if you have an Odyssey, you understand. It's a lot of games do this. Is it lets you uh, once you have a tie score, you get to enter your name. This is yep. sort of the Odyssey's gimmick. Yeah. The oh, always. Uh, they yeah. had the keyboard, and so they would let you. Uh, they would let you uh, enter the game, uh, enter your name, and it'll keep your score, and then you can. In fact, in the manual, it talks about multiplayer. It's like once you get a high score, give the joystick to your pal. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the multiplayer. That's multiplayer in games like you know? this. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, so, it's, but that's cool, and it, it, it'll save your high score until you turn it off. Once you turn it yeah, off, yeah, no gone. battery backup. A lot of games do that, though. Well, that's why you just have the notepad beside you. You write down your score, then you see the next thing comes, comes, like, you didn't really get that. I was like, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, or <laughs> you, you couldn't take a picture of the screen. It was a whole different era back in them days, wasn't it? Uh, but overall, I, I really like Tom Lord. It was a lot of fun. The box is cool. It's funny, funny story. I went to go buy this because I didn't actually own the box or own the game. And uh, there's a store down here that just got a big mess of Odyssey. It's like a million of them, and they didn't have it. I was disappointed. Oh, it's, it's too bad. Not a particularly rare game. Uh, you can pick this up on eBay for about fifteen bucks boxed, loose cart. You know, seven eight bucks. So I, it's, it's, cheap. It's, it's worth finding the box. Odyssey games for the most part there are only a few that are worth uh, that are hard to find or expensive. Yeah. Um, they uh, the the last one made in the US. Man, I can't think of the name. The 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 the, the hard ones to find are your like your uh, your licensed your third party licensed games are difficult to find uh, and stuff that is real there's a few that are real rare. Like I said there's and some of the Brazilian releases that didn't get released up here. We're lucky enough to have a multi-card. Now the multi-card, this thing is is nutty, in that uh, you most multi-cards have an interface. <laughs> Ours does not. It has it has two banks of of jumpers, and you and you have a I've got a, a book and I I flip the button on the jumper I want and it on yeah, or off. Yeah, bank of jumpers. on yep. each of the jumpers and then you, that game comes up. I, I don't think the Odyssey had the jack to have a graphical interface. Well, I do know that there are some. Other, there is one other multi-cart that does sort of have a graphic. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so it can be done, but yeah, the the first ones released are all dip switches. I will say this before Brent gets on his: the Odyssey Two is a great machine to collect for, and the reason is it's cheap. It's the the <laughs> machine itself is not that expensive. There were they made two million of them, so there's some out there. Uh, it's durable, and the games are plentiful, and they're a lot of fun, and they look awesome. If you're one of these guys that just likes to have a, a shelf full of games, you cannot beat the Odyssey 2's boxes. I mean, I would say, can you, is there a box ever ever made that's on the level of the Odyssey 2 boxes? I mean, well, it is top shelf. And we and by that we mean you're talking about the box art for the, the box first part. The box art. For, but, yeah, I think I mean I don't think there's anything that's it's glossy black. They're the best. They're yeah. the best boxes. Yeah, so if they're sort of hanging the stuff on your shelf. Even if you don't ever play the games, you can just put the box up there. Even stuff like Math Challenge and stuff. The art is good on it. It is. So they, really, yeah. they really went above And it really eye. has that 70, 70s, early 80s feel and with if, all the streaks right. and the 3D. And, and if you if you get those Master Strategy Series games, oh, those, are, those are opulent. Man, the, the, bu- the book. For a quest for the yeah. rings, that gold. Yeah. And one oh of these days, gosh. maybe ARG will take on that or even take on the elusive Casey Munchkin, which we'll give him that some other time. So, Brent, that was Attack of the Time. Look, what do you got for us this week? Well, I am bringing us back down to earth. I'm the reason why you're up there protecting us. Looney Balloon. Loony, and I'd never heard of this one. I, I, I hadn't either. Uh, Looney Balloon was, and the reason why, only released in Europe and Brazil. Didn't get a release until 1984. So this is really towards the end of the lifespan. Uh, It's a much different game than most things on the Odyssey. It really tried to do something new, and I think it did really well with it. You are a kid, and you're you're on a playground. And you have your favorite balloon. And the whole objective is to get from one side of the playground to the other side of the playground while keeping your balloon. That's the, that's the goal. That is how the game plays. However, apparently you are in the uh, realm of Berserk where the walls will kill you. I guess this is the training for the little so ones. Kill your balloon. <clears throat> right. Uh, yeah, this is a very unusual playground, the way it's put <laughs> together. It's it- Let's build a playground and have a maze. That'll be fun. <laughs> uh, the, the balloon sways back and forth. And as you go, if it hits a wall, <clears throat> it, it pops. And you your character throws a little tantrum. Uh, birds will swoop down. If they hit your balloon, it pops. Game over. And this, much like the first game, you get one go at it. If your balloon pops, game's over. Uh, so you think, well, okay, how does the playground element come to this? I mean, it sounds just like a maze. Well, the sway of your balloon is so intense, and the last corridor to get out of the playground is so small that if you just try to go to the end, you can't do it. The sway of the balloon going back and forth is too large of an arc, and it'll hit a wall. So you have to play on the playground. Uh, every time you play on the playground, you get some points. And as you get to 50 points, is, is where you're aiming for, the sway your balloon uh, calms down, and you can make it through the exit. Hmm. See, that, that aspect, though, I, didn't even, I didn't even get. Oh my gosh, yeah. I knew, I knew we would cut the sway, but I didn't know there was a total where it would stop. Well, it, no, it doesn't stop completely, but it makes it, the arcs uh, small enough that you can get through the exit. Uh, on the playground you can uh, play with trees you crawl around the bottom you can of trees. Play with trees sure uh, it's got a uh, rocking horse that you get on it and you're and, and rock back and forth uh, if you evade the bird you get some points. Uh, there's a slicky slide so you can go down the slicky slide and uh, uh, a roundabout for us for the English or here in America we call them merry-go-rounds. Complete with a little sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you get on that, uh, you get points as well. So, where this game really, really is fun is you can hit the button and let go of the balloon for a little bit. So, if you're in a... so A lot of the, the playground rides are so close to the wall, if you take your balloon on them, they'll pop. So, you let go of your balloon, it starts slowly floating up the screen. And then that's when you run and you play with as much stuff as possible, and then you run back and you grab your balloon before it hits a wall. It's really, really, just an innovative game. That that the whole all the concepts of it, I never thought were possible with Odyssey. And the little animations when you're because you don't just stand on a slide, and, and you get points. You actually walk up the the stairs of the slide and slide down all of the, all of the playground amenities have their own animation which blew my mind i did not know that the odyssey was capable of such detailed animations cuz i mean it looks exactly like you think it would look it looks really good mhm agree sure. <coughs> i uh this game at first when you pick this i'm like what I thought this was another one of your classic Brent picks, uh, and admittedly, I was not good at this game, but this is one of the most unique, oddball games I've ever seen. For starters, if you read the manual, it admits you play a jerky kid. You're a little spoiled jerk of a kid who doesn't want his balloon to get popped, and it because whenever your balloon gets popped, your guy throws a tantrum. Yeah. He literally has it an animation of him going yeah, down, on like, the floor, and pounds on the ground. You know, it's awesome. And, and which I saw that animation a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't understand what I was supposed to do at first. Uh, and and so uh, you can't just you can't just run through the level with the balloon, like Brent said, it sways too much, and it'll it'll pop. So the concept of you have to you have to release the balloon, and you have to release it at an angle where it's going to avoid walls. Yes. Basically, then you have to go and play as much as you can. I mean, it's just exactly what it sounds. Needs little area. The animation will take, what, about three, four seconds of your guy playing. Yeah. and then, Well, it depends on what you do, yeah. And you run up and get that balloon and grab it again before it hits anything. And then hopefully you've played enough to slow it down. i would admit freely, I never got off the first level. I came close. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I, because I didn't quite get it. It took me a while to get it. And I was frustrated because I couldn't get to the exit, but my balloon was still... And I'd been playing, but I hadn't hadn't played enough, clearly. Something else was that damn bird that came out. That thing, it's like like the Heat Seeker from the last game. I couldn't get that thing to not blow my balloon up. Well, the, the, the trick with the bird is the bird always aims for the kid's head. Oh. So you have to release your balloon and then run down or up so it will avoid it. Something else that was a real pain is occasionally, like you mentioned, this this a picture of a like a cloud basically will appear on the right side of the screen, and it'll be like, oh, be blowing, and it'll blow your balloon out of your hand. Which, yep. if you think about that, that's pretty impressive. That there was they built in that, yeah, you know, whatever that, that, that is push effect, and it works. And the balloon does float. It floats really slow, so you can go play a lot. I mean, what a bizarre, what a bizarre concept for a game. Yeah. And on the surface You might not see it as a puzzle game But this is 100% a puzzle game It is At least for levels 0 through 4 Because you can actually select what level you start with on the keyboard For 0 through 4 It's a static environment So you you plan your route And you can't just sit there and plan your route Because that's when the cloud comes out and blows your balloon away if you, you set in one place for too long, a gust of wind, and then that's you don't want that, that's bad. So, if you attack this as a puzzle game, and you say, well, I can release my balloon here, do this, this, and this, then the bird's going to come out, so I need to grab the balloon, take it down some, and then run up so the bird will miss it. That is how I approach this game, and I loved it. How, how far could you get, if I can ask? You? I got through boards 0 and 1. And that was it. I don't feel I could, too bad, Dan. I couldn't figure... And unfortunately, in my opinion, I guess they had to try to make it varied for the people. Because once, be, once you know the pattern for a level, you can pretty much do it every time. Uh, levels 4 through 9 were random. I thought a- and that- I mean random as in they blink in and out of existence... Oh, those are the ma- in the book. Those are the magical levels yes, as they call. It. The magical levels. So, but I mean, there are elements of randomness, and even the first, very first level you play no. because I mean, the bird, and no, the cloud, and the bird don't always come out at the same time. No, the bird. Yes, it does. Really? Yeah. You can treat the, the bird is triggered after so many uh, things you play with, and the cloud only comes out if you stay still. Hmm. If you continuously run around, the the gust of wind will never happen. Oh, that's what that is, eh? Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a keep you moving element. And and I I was so glad to have found this game. I played Time Lords and I played it for I don't know. I played it enough to know what the game was. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, it and like I said, it I require could, hours and hours of your time. Right. I I got over a thousand points. I got to like wave Sixteen or seventy, I was pretty yeah. deep into the game. I I knew I wasn't gonna get to two fifty six. I mean, really, it doesn't change that much, right? Yeah, yeah. after about after the fourth level, really, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this Looney Balloon, I just played and played and played and played. I easy six hours. It's a it's it's a strange, because on the surface, it's so alien. I mean, it's just yeah. I've never played a game that was like it. Uh, and it, it reminded, what it reminded me of, to a certain degree, was the uh, uh, of killer bees and the fact that it was that something that's so unique. I've never seen it in the gameplay element used yeah. before. The the concept that you let that balloon go, go and go play is yes. very strange. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I like to say, I like the fact that in the manual. It's like, yeah, you're a, you're a, s- a snot nosed spoiled kid. So how often are you going to be playing that? Unless you're playing like Bully or something, you know. It's really bizarre. Uh, but the but the concept of letting the balloon go and trying to do this stuff and you're trying how much can I play before I go grab that balloon? Yep. I got to play as much as I can before a bird comes out or whatever, and you've got to maneuver because so, you know he's coming. Uh, it's just what a who thought this one? Out? Oh what my a, gosh! Uh, this was actually published by uh, Philips of Brazil. So is that the only place this got released? Was in Brazil no, and it was released in Europe too. It was actually a Video Pack Plus game. And add the background stuff. Yeah, both these were um, the box art I found uh, is for the Brazilian version. This game gets has very little love out there. Uh, on eBay, there is one guy that's been trying to sell it for, I, I would assume months. Yeah, and he, he's not asking a ridiculous price. Uh, I mean, shipping for Brazil is a little much. I think sh- it's a box copy. I think shipping and everything, he's wanting like sixty bucks. Which I mean, maybe that's a little much for an Odyssey game, uh, but that's it. There's no sold, there's no sold history, and it, and that's the only one up there. It also, uh, looking at the box art here, it's it's one of the less black Odyssey Two games there are. Most of the Odyssey games are all totally well, had a black background. It, it depends on the where they're released. It really uh, does, right. yeah. Because America had the whole black, rich uh, '70s '80s feel. Where some of the box art for the other games didn't get that, mm-hmm. it's I, I like the box. I mean, I, the I don't, you know did, I looked for play footage of this, and I only found only really one guy that got past the first level on 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 YouTube. You should definitely record yourself getting more like higher in. But uh, the uh, uh, there's, this game does not see a lot of attention. I know I didn't see any reviews of it anywhere at all, and uh, I mean anywhere, even in magazines or anything. I couldn't at find all? a single review. I couldn't find uh, any like video tutorials or anything like that. In fact, the videos on YouTube are pretty much just start the game and not touch the controls because your guy will kind of wander around a little bit if you don't do anything. Um, yeah, so this is really, in my opinion, this is a hidden gem. This is, I had so much fun with it. Something else I noticed that I hadn't seen on another game was when you got the high score like, the thing would beep at you. Like, put your name in. Yeah. You know, and it would flash, and you'd put your name in, which none of the other ones give a crap uh, what you well, do. Well, some... There are other Odyssey games I don't, that do I've that. never seen that before. I was the first, was the first time I've ever seen <clears> that. <throat> now, this game's not without flaws. Uh, flaw number one is it has a kid uh, foot stomp sound. A beep to signify every step that you take. Games should never do that. And it was... I. It, they tried to fill the silence, I guess. Not a way to do it. I, I was annoyed by that. Also, when you're trying to grab your balloon again, you have to be pixel perfect, which for the Odyssey is not that difficult, and grab it right at the bottom of the string, or yeah. you won't grab it again. Well, That's that's just the play mechanic. That's where they want you to get it. Uh, but for the rest of the game, I, it was... Meaningful and felt good whenever you played with the stuff. I thought the, again, the animations are just blew my mind. I didn't know the Odyssey was capable. These—it's funny—the two <coughs> games we did this week are a contrast in what are there to show you the range that you can get out of this machine. Yeah, that you probably wouldn't think of because I mean, honestly, the uh, uh, time moved move quicker than I thought the Odyssey could move, and the balloon game, which moves about the pace you would expect. Uh, is deeper than you would have... Uh, uh, way a, deeper. A lot of games yeah. are, you know, uh, a very unusual title. I, I, I thought you'd pick another dud. i got to give you credit on that one. It was a good All game. Right. So, good stuff. Well, it's time, once again, to hit the music. Oh, get, spin the wheel. Get the lights. And make the deal. Let me get the wheel going here. Oh, Odyssey. We had a lot. You were such the a fun system. We had a lot of fun with the Odyssey. I say. such a fun system. So, Odyssey's light as well. It is. It is. So, Brian, I'm gonna let you do the honors this week. Now, we've added what this week? We've added the uh, TRS-80 Color Computer, uh, Radio Shack, uh, computer there. So, if we right spin up that, we will uh, play some uh, Cocoa games. So, let's roll, spin this thing, and make the deal here. Here we go. Nice spin, nice spin. Oh, it felt good. Yeah, that was. I good. feel dull. Yeah. Why don't... am I feeling dull? Am, am I feeling dull? Do- oh! Oh! <laughs> oh, so close. So next week, Brent, your favorite platform. Oh, this favorite is gonna form, hurt. We're going to be playing games on the ancient, ancient, incredibly ancient Apple II Apple machine. Two, now, way back. Now, Brent, have you ever owned an Apple II or an Apple of any sort? Nope. No. I own a Mac right now, believe it or not. It's somewhere in this arcade that I got on a deal. But that's pretty much the only Apple product I think I've ever owned in my entire life. Uh, however, uh, I know Boat's a big Apple II guy, and I've played some Apple II games in his house, and I liked them. So there are some Apple games we had. Of course, the Apple II is sort of the cradle of, of, of PC gaming to a certain degree. A lot of good titles sprung from the, from the loins of the Apple II from back in the day. So... Uh, join us next week as we uh, take on the Apple II. I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, for you who listen to our sister show, the Amigos Everything Amiga podcast, uh, we are going to be participating in the Amiga-thon. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, man, we're going to be right really up to it next week when we try to do this show. because all have been Right after. For 15 to 16 hours. Might be a little loopy. Uh, the Amiga-thon will start uh, next, well, it'll be Saturday, Ju- uh, J- July seventh, two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen. You always do that, and it's uh, it will be at six thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I believe in the UK that will be ten thirty a in the in the morning. We will be playing at least I've been told we'll be playing at least uh, fifteen or sixteen straight hours Woo-hoo. of Amiga games. Sixteen straight hours of anything is, is going to be difficult. Uh, the event is being uh, put on to raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Incredible cause. And we will also have uh, a sponsorship from both the Digital Press folks and Papa John's Pizza. Yeah, local Papa eating. John's. We just had some Papa John's last night. It was good eating. So we, we're going to have some sponsors. Uh, if you would like to donate, you can go to Amegathon.com for all you need to know about Amegathon, And that money goes straight to the organization. So. That's right. We are thankfully not involved. Yeah. We're not equipped to handle your... But this, <laughs> this is a good, secure, reputable, uh, accredited uh, charitable organization that, do that, good take, work. That, that handles all the money, so there's not going to be any, any weirdness in uh, me and Boat. And of course the Brent will be there. I will be there for uh, some of it. Yeah. Uh, for the whole thing. Nope. 16 hours of nothing but Brent dancing. Dancing and singing. My now, wife would choke man, slam yeah, that would We would get charity money just to make you stop. <laughs> uh, but we'll have all the zany characters you've come to know and love. from. If you've listened to any of our Insert Disc 2s you'll have uh, Old Chad will be there of the BBS days. He can complain about his bodily ailments. Uh, my son and girlfriend will be stopping by. Our good friend John who helped uh, so, uh, get us hooked up with pop johns will be there uh he'll be come stopping by to a place of games i don't think our buddy last year are the guy who gave me the pile of hat hatchet will be out of town on vacation oh. reprieve so i won't get busted i should mention that if you uh if you want to when you kick in a donation you also get to uh up until the day of the uh, of the event you can Request a game, and every dollar you spend is a minute of whatever game you want to play on the Odyssey. Or on the Odyssey listen on the <laughs> Amiga, and that would be a tough. You marathon. could also pick who's getting the pie in the face at the end of at the end of the event. And I noticed that your name had popped up on the yeah, pie Yeah, what's up with? I mean, I like pie, so we're all good there. we'll, we'll see about that. So it, I got a I got a long way to go. Yeah, so I'm pretty. So I feel any, pretty safe. Anyone could be pied at any time. Uh, so if you if you join us next week, it w- we would appreciate it. And if you would like to donate, that would be great. Again, this is uh, July 7th, 2018. A live 10, event. 10, uh, 10.30 UK time in the morning. And if you're in the States, 6.30. 6.30 in the morning. Yep. You've got to be crazy to get up and play a B-Games. But it hurts so good. That's to it. To get in there and play. So. Well, one more thing. Yeah, uh, I want to shout out to the Patreons. That continuously support what we do here, uh, throughout all of the Amigo Network. Good people, good folks. Yes, uh, and uh, uh, we do have a Patreon set up. Uh, if you'd like to go there and throw us a couple bucks, uh, we're always we're always down with the clown uh, for getting a few bucks. And we've actually thanks to uh, contributions from the uh, listeners and viewers, we've gotten uh, we've been able to upgrade our studio capabilities quite a bit. I remember when we first did the very first episode of Amigos, me and Boat, we had two headsets with the little microphones. They were, they were garbage. They were they garbage. Were. And we, they were. We uh, substantially up, upped our well, games. And, and Amigos Studio West is in really good shape now. Amigos Studio East, where we're recording now, is really, really coming along. We're yeah. We're really coming along. I'm pretty so. happy with it because we're recording here more than we ever have before. Yes. So it yeah. makes it a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we would appreciate any support you give, whether it's whether it's on Patreon or to our lovely charitable event. Uh, so, you got anything else? Like I think we, that's like it. we've taken it to the house. Uh, please join us next week as we talk about Apple II. And until then, ha! <laughs> <laughs> the wheels be coming off, the wheels be coming off, the wheels, the wheels, the wheels be coming the- look off. What's behind the curtain? Terrorhawks, stay on this channel, this is an emergency.